Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. We're winding down, by the way, because in about two weeks, we take our long, our long-deserved, month-long, possibly a little bit more, vacation for the summer. As we, you know, we won't have much to talk about. You know, but as always, we are brought to you by Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons and you get $20 just for signing up. And of course, prize picks. Use promo code five F I V E. You deposit $100, they give you $100. And it's not one of these crazy rollovers where you got to bet it through like about a thousand times. No, no, you bet it through once. So in essence, they're just giving you $100. Take it. All right. We reside in Winterville around here, by the way. Um, like, I don't know what the hell losing's, I you know, what is losing? Dolphins should schedule like a scrimmage with the Jets or something this weekend and kick their ass just to get this out of the way, right? Right, Chris? Like, yeah, I mean, as long as we can, as long as we can have, you know, fit both games into the uh, into the scrimmage and just get it out of the way. You know, maybe <laughs> yeah. have a couple of bye weeks. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, but the some you got to jump on some of these bandwagons. Like, you know, all this winning is like I don't know. It's intoxicating. You gotta just jump on. Like, are you aware? Of, can you name one Florida Panther? I cannot. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't. I don't think I can name a single ice hockey player that owned a Florida Panther. <laughs> well, well, we don't lose around here anymore. Mario okay. Lemieux still play. <laughs> no. Uh, mm. Matthew Kachuk. That's all you gotta. That's all you gotta know. He's a. Uh, he's like if you made a short list of the best athletes in South Florida, I guess Jimmy Butler will be at the top. Matthew Kachuk might be number two. He might be number two as even ahead of Tyreek Hill. And I know that might sound blasphemous on this on this podcast, but yeah, we're Winterville around here. But we're not gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about UDFA's, and then we're gonna bitch about the offensive line in the second half of the show, which is you know, our one American show team. Two, three. There's only three Americans on the entire four Americans on the entire team. I believe so. Matthew Kuchuk is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Arizona. Yeah, great player, great player. Uh, although some might think that their their best uh, their best player is Sasha Barkov, which is uh, he's obviously not an American. <laughs> no. Where do you think EU two Lusteran him? He's from. I think he's from Sweden. He's from Finland, mate. Oh, uh, close. Ah, <laughs> oh, those fins. <laughs> those, those sneaky fins. Uh, well, uh, Dolphins signed like every single UDFA that was available to them. And I'll start with a few that I actually know about and actually watched. I'll start with Aubrey Miller, and then I'll, I'll go <laughs> around the horn here. Um, I guess he fills the need. They don't have that guy. They don't have the, you know, the plug-and-play, you know, Phil linebacker. Um. If, you know, Landon Roberts is deceiving, but my God, if you're finding Landon Roberts as a UDFA, you're doing good work. His tape checks out. Uh, bottom of the roster guy, I think he makes, if I had to bet out of all these guys, besides the punter, because I think Michael Turk, man, I think he has a really good chance at supplanting Bailey as our starting punter. But other there's, than him. There's quickly, there's quickly forming like a Turk brigade. Yes. Like uh, he has a fan base down here. Yeah. Young Turks. The young Turks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has fans. Uh, I don't know where they where they came from, but evidently he does have fans. If I had to bet outside of Michael Turk, I think Aubrey Miller makes the team at the bottom of the roster. Plays a little special teams, and you know if he if he sees the field, something went wrong, of course. But I like the player. Uh, kind of surprised he wasn't in the seventh round draft pick or so. Or so. Uh, your thoughts, Simon? Yeah, Aubrey I mean. They need a guy that's going to replace uh, 
you know, essentially Sam Egwavan, but also a guy that's going to do, you know, some of the stuff that Landon Roberts did. And, and that's very much kind of what Miller does. He's this kind of, you know, downhill, very physical, sea ball, run to ball, kind of run defender, you know, good play speed. Um, look, he's short, he's stubby, he's got short arms, but actually, you know, he knows how to, he knows how to make a tackle. He knows how to get guys to the ground. Um, you know, he knows how to get through the crowd. Um, and you know, I liked when reading about him that scouts were just like, you know, ball of energy on the field, ball of energy off the field. They need a guy like that. He can come in, you know, rotational on downs one and two and, uh, you know, make some tackles, make some tackles late in the game, be a special teams leader. Uh, you know, he was an absolute special teams gem at Jackson state and, um, uh, you know, and averaged what nine tackles per game. Uh, even at that level, which is uh, which is excellent. So yeah, I think he I think he stands a chance. I think if you know, there are a lot of names on there that y- you kind of, you know, you think, yeah, you know, yeah. kind of camp body kind of guys, but there's three or four on there that I think would 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 stand a chance, and he's absolutely one of them. Chris, yeah, I think that um, the <laughs> it's funny uh, when you watch him play uh. And you look at his his size and stature and and everything. I actually kind of reminded of David Long, <laughs> who they just who they just signed uh, in free agency. So um, so it's an interesting type typing going on here. Um, I think you know there's four guys. There's uh there's there's the two. There's Jerome Baker and David Long now, and then you got Duke Riley, and then you got Channing Tindall. Mm-hmm. Um, are there only going to be four guys? Are there going to be, is there going to be a fifth one, you know, where, where he's, um, he's competing with say, you know, let's call it like a, even though Cameron Good is more like an outside linebacker, but you know, would he, would he be competing with him um, on the roster? I, I don't know. Um, but I do know that, you know, we have some questions about Channing Tindall's fit for this defense. I do anyway. Um, and, you know, so, Fast forward, could I imagine Aubrey Aubrey Miller ending up in some situation where either he is making the roster or he's on the practice squad and getting called up for games and he's playing ahead of Channing Tindall? Yes, I absolutely could see that. Actually, <laughs> you know, um, it's 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 certainly not out of the realm of possible. I'm not I'm not declaring it that's going to happen. It's just that it strikes me as one of those situations. And he is he, he's he seems like a you know perfect um, Vic Fangio instinctive instinctive linebacker. Um, and I think that he brings a little something different to the table compared to like uh, Duke Riley and Channing Tindall. And and that might be something that that really that really sits in his favor because um, you know. David Long goes down for any length of time, or uh, and he does have an injury history. Let's be honest. Um, then you know it's either Duke Riley or you know if he he has to step into the game, then then who you know? And I, I don't think I don't necessarily know. It's all interchangeable between Jerome Baker and um, and these other these other three guys. All right, and I guess we're going to move on here. And the next group. Um... And I guess we just take them all in, in a group because um, a couple of these guys I never saw play before. I didn't know they existed until they, they signed up. Uh, a couple of these guys after I actually watched them play. Uh, James Blackman, uh, I, was he at FSU for like 10 or, or 12 years? Like he must be like 38 years old by that by now. I think he was backed up Charlie Ward. <laughs> yeah, I think so, right? <laughs> yeah, like competing with Chris Winky. <laughs> to, to, you know? He was teammate. He was he was there when Burt Reynolds was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> he finds his way onto the roster. Um, uh, well, not onto the, the roster, well, I think. As a... But yeah, I could see him kind of making the the practice squad. Like he might be a useful camp arm. You know, uh, Alama Uluave. I did not. I don't know who the hell that is. He's an office lineman from San Diego State. Uh, Sam, you want to interject something? Do you know anything about him? I mean, oh. I, no. I mean, I know about Blackman. What about Blackman? Obviously. Though? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he just—he looks like an absolute like he—he's got the you know frame of a basketball player in terms of how he how he looks. He's got a decent arm, but he's his problem at FSU and at Arkansas State was always just inconsistency. You know, I think he—he's the, the guy that would end up in you know what was NFL Europe or the XFL or the USFL those kind of things mm-hmm. obviously some off field issues as well um with, with Blackman but you know the arm is good um 
you know, and he can make all the throws, but it's just way too inconsistent. Um, he doesn't, he never really seemed to have much of a pocket presence at Florida State. So I was quite surprised that that they even brought him in. I know he played at the Tropical Bowl. Um, uh, and I think he's matured a lot from some of the issues off the field. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't see him sticking around. You know how alarming this is that um, his, okay, so, you know, he's a tall guy. He's, he's over six, he's over six foot five, like mm. without the shoot run. He's only 189 pounds mm. at six foot, at six foot five and a quarter. Good like, shooting you know, guard. <laughs> that's, that I don't, I don't even know how to describe that. That is, that is, that is wafer thin as, uh, as my, my <laughs> he really is wafer thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, do you guys? So we already got Simon on record saying he's not a threat. Uh, is he a threat to Skylar Thompson? You think, Chris? Maybe. No. Skylar Thompson, no. Thompson was a seventh round draft pick. You know, we got to stop talking about him like if he was a, a a top, you know, a top draft pick. He's essentially a UDFA as well. No, you're you're right. You are right. But I think that his value his value reset probably when um you know after after uh the preseason of last year um mm-hmm. when he was you know rocking preseason because the dolphins started getting offers on him mm-hmm. um and so i think that you know that's that's a good that's a good value reset so he's not we shouldn't just think of him as just a seventh round pick anymore We're, we should think of him as basically like you know a day three pick kind of uh play having that that sort of worth and you're right i mean they're these guys those guys are not untouchable by any means um i just think that uh the the familiarity that um that mike mcdaniel has gotten with the guy for the last year is probably making him safe in addition to Let's be honest. To his injury-prone QB one, and Mike White has not exactly been the model of health as a QB two. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think that that's uh, that necessitates that Skylar Thompson makes the roster. The really this fourth quarterback is is about between James Blackman and Henry Columby, um, who came over from. I mean, I, I know he's at Marshall for a while, and and then he he's played in some other places. Um, Texas Tech, and I mean he's yeah. a scatter gun quarterback. Oh yeah, he and uh, he's never he's never struck me as being very good. I watch a lot of Marshall, and um, yeah. So between those two, like somebody's going to be kept around as a fourth arm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. practice squad, etc. Like someone is is going to fit that bill. Is going to make that. Um, I don't know if it's James Blackman or even Henry Columbia. Maybe it might be somebody that they just. That isn't even here yet. Um, imagine, but... imagine if you got Stevie Wonder a pitcher mound and spun him around five times and then told him to throw at the at the at the pitcher. That's what Colin Bay is <laughs> <with> accuracy. <laughs> okay, that's a great scouting report. I'll write that one down and, and save it for camp because uh, I wear a helmet every time he gets onto the field. <laughs> All right, moving on. I kind of know a little bit about this guy, Brandon Peely, uh, USC, uh, bad body defensive lineman, defensive tackle. Uh, Kind of a zero one shade, maybe three tech on occasion. Uh, these guys are all over the place in college. I don't think he's a threat for the roster. Uh, your your quick thoughts, Simon, on Brandon? Yeah, Pierre. they gave him a lot of money, but you know, I watched him quite a lot on tape, and yeah, you know, he is an all out one hundred and ten percent hustle guy, and you know, you love to see that effort. You know, he will chase guys 30, 40 yards down the field. A play is never over with Peely, and, and the coaches will love that. But he just isn't very good. He gets zero penetration. He's on his ass a lot, you know, and it, more credit to him for getting up off his ass and then chasing back down the field. He just <laughs> is never involved in a play. You know, there are players on that USC defense that absolutely flash, but but Peely was never one of them. You also mentioned the guy, um, Alamo Ulave, the, the center from San Diego State, who actually is a scheme fit, but... I mean, he is small and, you know, he is, he is really nasty, but he is small and stubby and not overly athletic. Uh, you know, he's a, he's definitely a scheme fit, but he's just a, um, you know, this is a guy that is absolutely maxing out every single thing he's got. You know, he's he's got a little bit of exposure and he's he's tough as old boots, but I, I can't see him making a team. He's, he's six foot one inch with 31 inch arms. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's... Tyrannosaurus Rex is our yeah. I mean that's that's I don't know if that's a problem or not, but like that's that's that is something. That's something that describes 
what you're going to see on the field <laughs> with him. He's a short tank. Um, but yeah, I, I think Peely, uh, it's interesting because the, what the, the motor implies to me, um, with these guys. And I, the reason I give them such a plus for that is, um, a lot of the guys that succeed, succeed at the next level just have like a different energy level, um, during the games, you know, uh, that they are able to sustain because of their stamina, their, you know, their durability, their um, overall energy level. And guys like Peely, you know, that's, that's where the promise uh, of that guy is. And, and you might want to try and coach him up, but he's, he's six foot three, 316 pounds. Um, you know, that's, that's a good, that's a good nose tackle type of, uh, type of guy to look at. But actually, if you look, um, and another guy that they signed, uh, from, from, I think he was UCF, uh, the Anthony Montalvo. Yeah. Hmm. Um, that's an interesting guy as well, because he, he's certainly smaller than, um, than Brandon Peely. Uh, you know, so Peely's got that, that NFL sort of almost, uh, almost planet theory t- kind of look going for him. Montalvo is, is not like that. But what he is, when you watch him play, you think you, you basically think that you're you're watching, um, you know, like uh, Kelly Gregg play, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you if you think back, if you think back to um, to or, or Carl Klug, uh, who used to play for the Tennessee Titans, like you're you're, you're seeing a guy like that. And um, and uh, Tom, Tom, there's a there's a Tom something or other at, uh, at Minnesota for a long time that was like this, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, so you're watching kind of a Kelly Gregg stump, like a wrestling champion, and he is a wrestling champion, I believe, um, Anthony Montalvo. So I think I think what they're where they're looking to go with these guys is kind of that they they want somebody they want somebody that can be a stump in the middle um, and and just be hard to root out. Tom Johnson. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Chris. This. This oh, Tom Johnson, you're right. Johnson. Yeah, there it is. This one's kind of interesting because they got Verone McKinley last year, and uh, when when they got him, everybody was saying, "Okay, this is this is a sleeper for for a guy that could make the bottom of the roster." Uh, Bennett Williams out of Oregon, really highly productive college player, and you wonder, okay, why did not why didn't did this guy get drafted? He ran four six six at his pro day, and for those of you who know, on pro days you get a friendly. Uh, stopwatch. Let's just say. So evidently, he should be slow. This is a productive player. I think he'll be a useful player for this team. Uh, I think that's Barone McKinley competition. Uh, your thoughts, Simon? Yeah, I mean, he's had some off-field issues as well. I mean, he went to didn't he didn't he end up at um didn't he go JUCO and end up um because well, he, he was at Illinois first, wasn't he? And then had some off-field issues. Ended up at JUCO. Yeah, uh, and then found his way back to 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 Oregon because he was. I, I think he was the first. I'm trying to recall where I read it. I, I'm sure he was something like the first true freshman to start at safety in Illinois at Illinois for like 20 years or something, something like that. But um, but yeah, I think um, I think if you look at I, I suppose if you you take Javon Holland as as Oregon secondary guys and there's a sliding scale. And then McKinley's next. And then I think Williams is kind of, I mean, I think he's the sort of guy that, you know, you're not going to want him getting matched up against somebody in the slot. I think he was a solid tackler. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that you're looking at as a special teams guy. And actually, interestingly, he's going to be the guy that's kind of trying to push for own McKinley for a roster spot. Do you know what I mean? That's the mm-hmm. kind of a good football IQ. Um, but, you know, he is a churning the bottom of the roster type of uh, type of player. Yeah. Can I just can... ask you, though, can I just mm-hmm. ask you what the hell is with Oregon safeties? Well, no, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> they kind of like him, right? I, Javon Holland, Jerome McKinley, and now now Bennett Williams. I know, right? And yeah. and Texas safeties, yeah, yeah. Texas that, safeties, Brandon Jones too. and Deshaun Elliott. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, you got anything on Bennett Williams? Uh, all I got no, on him really. is a pretty good college player. You know, I watched them play. Good college player. You know, not the no, greatest not, of athletes. Not really anything on 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 Bennett Williams. Um, I'm I'm a little you know I, I'm I'm wondering about if there's any guys that that might be moving, you know, moving from corner to um to safety and and try you know I don't know what they intend. For example, with uh, Keydron Smith, 
um, mm-hmm. from from Ole Miss. But you know, he's he's a guy that I've watched over the years. Um, he, you know, goes to his pro day. He only runs a four six one. Um, he's at but he's at six foot two, a full six foot two, and two hundred one pounds. So you know, there's the there's the size and length there to to make that um, that change. And I I wonder about him. Um, I don't really think much about uh, Bennett Williams because I haven't really watched him play. Uh, so other than other than the the Oregon comment, <laughs> you know, um, I know that on the speaking of the defensive backfield, and I don't know if uh, Simon has a, a better grasp on him or not, but Ethan Bonner was supposed yeah. to be a pretty a pretty, a good, a pretty good, good choice sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean well, he's big. He's like six two one ninety yep. six one ninety. He's really fast as well. Um, yeah, he ran a solid four four one or something like that. Yeah, I think um, I, I think the biggest issue with him has just been durability. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think he he only played five games last year at Stanford because he was injured. But you know, in terms of the sort of height, weight, speed, he is a really interesting character. And apparently, coaches love him. His work, David Shaw talked about his work ethic. He was a team captain. Um, you know, so if they can keep him healthy, you know, he could be a he could be a dark horse to 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 really um to really push for a for a roster spot or at worst a um a practice squad spot. All right. Let's take this next little group here and oh, I could speak on one of those guys, uh one of these guys. Chris Brooks running back out of BYU, Ezekiel Vandenberg, linebacker, Illinois State, Julian Hill, tight end, Campbell. Uh I don't know what Campbell is, but evidently it's a college that has football. I'll take Chris Brooks at 230 pounds. Uh, he transferred out of Cal. He has really good contact balance. And it's kind of shocking to find out that he run he runs like in the high four sixes. He's kind of a, a slower type, kind of a bruiser. But if you watch him, he has a quickness and a twitchiness to him that's kind of exciting. Like these are the type of guys that show up all of a sudden at camp. And maybe they're at the bottom of the running back room, but you get him, you stash him in the practice squad, and maybe you need him. Week 11, and he comes on, and he runs for 40 yards and helps you win a game. Uh, Chris Brooks is, is a guy I'm interested in watching play in camp. Uh, your thoughts on this this group here, Brooks, Vandenberg, Hill. Do you know anything yeah, about these guys, Simon? I, I, I haven't seen Hill because I don't get any Campbell tape. Um, Brooks, I've seen a bit, and he, like I hate this. I, I kind of love this phrase, but sort of hate it because it's derogatory to women. But you know, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane kind of thing. Mm. He's got that great body, but just doesn't. You know, he is a he is not a guy that plays up to his to his size whatsoever, which is which is really disappointing. You know, because you just think when you're built like that, you know, there is an opportunity for to really kind of, you know. Yeah, he absorbs contact, and that's why I say he has really good contact balance because he doesn't tend to go down. But I'd like to just see him deliver blows at that yeah, size, which he just doesn't do. You know, he's got right. He's a little bit of explosion. Uh, he can get outside. He can, um, you know, he's got he's okay with his hands out the backfield. But you just think, you know, with what you've got in terms of your package of skills, you know, you should just be should just be better. Um, Vandenberg falls into that category of the guy that we talked about first, Aubrey Miller, in terms of just his ability to, you know, you look at him and you just think, you know, he lacks the kind of the the length. He's not overly quick. But again, just instinct and understanding of football, FBI football intelligence, kind of that relentless nature. Uh, obviously, he won the um. He won the uh, what you call it award for for um for his ability. Buck, Buck Buchanan. That's the word, the Buck Buchanan mm. Award. Um, you know, and I think he, you know, what you like about him, what coaches like about him, is just his ability to be in the right place at the right time. He's got a great motor. He just keeps on, you know, keeps on plugging away, keeps on plugging away. And look, last year he had twenty one tackles for a loss and fourteen sacks, and you can't argue with 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 that ability. He's got he's heavy handed. He's got he converts you know what speed he can possess into power. He's got some really powerful shock in his hands, um, and again he'll have to make his um he'll have to make his his worth on special teams. But he's a he's an interesting guy. Chris, yeah, I think um, t- picking up on your last guy really, uh, Zeke Vandenberg. I mean, first off, I think anytime you can pick up somebody with that kind of accolade as a UDFA, I mean, it's definitely worth flipping over that rock. Right. Um, this guy won the award for best defensive player in all of the STS. So um, that's that's something. And to me, when I watch him play, it's like it's like I'm looking at a clone, essentially, of uh, Kyle Van Noy. 
and um, and that's that's this is how Kyle Van Noy played a, a lot in uh, BYU, and um, and this is this is how he looked and tested too. Uh, they basically basically have uh, very very similar, I think, athletic profiles overall. Uh, and it is it, it's it's about his um, his instincts, his savvy, his football intelligence, um, and that's how Kyle Van Noy made his way as a linebacker and as a pass rusher is uh is by being a smart a smart guy so um so that's his path uh, i i would say that vandenberg um maybe if i were to contrast with kyle van noy maybe he's a little bit he's a little bit more uh bull oriented you know bull rush oriented um and and about using his uh, strength and hands a bit more trace armstrong like i guess um but you know, overall, I, I think that's a that's a really interesting uh, player for Dol- Dolphins to invite to camp. Julian Hill, I have taken a look at. Um, I did watch uh, some Campbell, but he, also he was in um, the uh, I believe it was the Hula Bowl. So, um, so I, I saw him play in the game. You know, he's got the reputation, and and you see it on some snaps in uh, in Campbell of of just being a real bully out there. You know, because he's because um, he's physically so much bigger. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that you see that, uh, but the real, I mean, first off, he looks fast at Campbell, but in terms of real speed, I'm not sure it's actually even better than Durant, uh, than Durham's, uh, Smythe. Um, and, and so you're looking at this guy as a big physical, uh, blocker, which the Dolphins also just signed in Tyler Croft. So, um, you know, that, that just happened today. So, uh, there's, there's him. And then, uh, one other guy actually that you mentioned, um, that was interesting, Chris Brooks. The only thing I know I'll say about him is he's the only Ross, as far as I know, he's the only running back that we have that has some size to him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that could, that could be interesting because kind of, if you think about, if you think about the things that they can do, especially now that they drafted like a Devon, a, uh, chain, um, you know, there's, there's, there's potential for sort of a, uh, a fullback ish running back, a large, you know, a large running back to sneak on the field and, and fill some roles that, allow Achain to be a little bit more versatile and um and so that that has me wondering about Chris Brooks but at this point you know we went through this last year with the guy from Cincinnati um that we uh you know thought thought might make it might might be the next the next thing and then sure enough they just ditch him all right moving on and let's talk about two offensive linemen and then we could go to break um I'll speak on one and and I guess you guys could speak on the other uh, Jared Horst of Michigan State, offensive tackle, uh, good tape. Um, I guess there are levels to this, and that's why my the second name is the one that I'm going to talk about, which is DJ Scaife out of Miami. Uh, you guys could go first on Horst. Uh, there are levels to this, and evidently a draftee is not the level that Jared Horst has reached, even though he played at Michigan State and has some good tape. Uh, your thoughts, Simon, on this player? Uh, does he have a shot? Yeah, I think he does have a shot. I mean, Chris will talk talk to you more about Horst because he's his guy. But the one thing I'll say about Horst is that he has that sort of ability that you cannot measure with a stopwatch. Um, and I think that is uh, that is a fair analysis of him. He also has a sort of the, the sort of ability that if you were to do what Jared Horst is very good at on a night out, you would end up in prison. And with that, <laughs> I'll have to yeah. That is that is that is one hundred percent true. Um, I watched this guy. I watched this guy literally uh, and intentionally teabag somebody on the football field. Um, and and so you know what's crazy about him is he, he showed up to Arkansas State, and this is a testament to his playing style. If I'm going to paint a picture for you, he showed up at Arkansas State, and the first year that he played, uh, he got nineteen penalties, which is just <laughs> astounding. You know. Um, but somehow, somehow, as he went through his college career, two years at Arkansas State and then two more years at Michigan State, uh, he cut that down and uh, and got really good at being an a hole, but not being caught, flagged for it somehow. Um, and and so that's what he is on the field. He is a true jerk. Um, he is uh, uh, he is going to bother and annoy everybody out there. 
uh, a little bit like Christian Wilkins, I think he has that sort of mentality. Um, but what I think stands out the most about uh, two things really with Horst that stand out the most that make me think if he if he were to move inside to the guard position, you know, and start working that that phone booth, um, that you might really have something. Which, by the way, he's he's uh, he's game for that. Like he he has talked about that he might have to move inside to guard, and he actually thinks that he'll excel there because uh, he likes that things happen more quickly um, on the inside and, uh, and that he, you know, it'd be more, there's more brutality there on the inside. And I think that feeds into his game. He's a guy that uh, just has endless, endless well of energy, just, just on the field, every single play, he's not going to play snap to whistle. He's going to play snap through whistle, you know, and, uh, and he's just going to, expend this massive load of energy just being just being annoying and being disruptive every single play uh and and it was something that actually drew me to darnell washington when i first started watching him as a tight end um is is just the way that the the way that they can be effective uh on their blocks now what what what's the downside to horse is he has the length technically speaking you know arms i think maybe 33 and a half inches and his uh his wingspan fits he has the length to play tackle but for some reason he does not play with long arms whatsoever he doesn't he doesn't punch well um he doesn't have the timing of the punch i actually think he 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 would benefit greatly from a move to the inside not because he's insufficient at tackle but really because uh, he just he wants things to happen quickly. He wants to get his hands on people and wrestle them to the ground and impose his will. And that's you know he's he's very old school that way. He's talked about you know he sees a lot of position blockers and, and guys who just kind of you know catch and and um it, it and block you know kind of finesse style. And he's that's not him, man. He's gonna he's gonna wrestle you to the ground uh, sometimes in a way that makes you pretty certain you're gonna get a penalty flag. <laughs> and uh and somehow he doesn't um but i think that he's you know he's he's got a strong chance at left guard if he moves inside if he's in tackle uh, i'm less confident all right and now and i'll before we go to break i'll, I'll talk on dj scafe he is the anti and i know i overdo it with will mallory but he is in my opinion he's the anti will mallory okay both highly recruited both expected a lot of dj scafe started 51 games for the hurricanes even in their worst times on that offensive line, you could always count on him. You could always watch him during games, always doing his job. He has great feet. He reminds me a ton of Robert Jones, kind of the strongest, you know, you know, he, he plays with a little bit of brutality, great anchor, great feet, just not the greatest of athletes, 6'3", 320-ish pounds, although he, it gets to fluctuate a little bit. I'm interested to watch him in camp because I think he's that type. He's the type that is maybe your eighth or ninth offensive lineman. And maybe you need him in a pinch to play guard. Now, I know he played a little bit of right tackle. Uh, that is not his game. He is an well, interior guard and nothing else. Uh, Al, right guard, especially. Keep in mind, Alf, though, uh, he was he was Butch Berry's starting right tackle. Yeah, well, Butch Berry was wrong. Uh, DJ Skiff is a really good right guard. Not a very, very good right tackle. He moved into right guard for two years, I think, and then uh, and then he played right tackle all this year. I believe played 811 snaps at right tackle this year, and wow. uh, only five only five at right guard. He was yeah he was a right tackle this year, and he was a right tackle in 2019 for Butch Berry, and he was a right tackle in 2018. Um, and played about 450 snaps at right tackle back then, but in 2020 he got moved inside the guard. At 2021 he he stayed there. Um, and I, I agree with you. He's he's very he's closer to being an NFL player when you see him at, in that right guard. Um, I, I think that he's I I still get actually a little disturbed by how um, how much strength he lacks. Um, I think that he does have explosive feet, and he can actually be shocking uh, in the mirror game. Um, but uh, but he you know as a run blocker, it's not very good. Um, and, and when you move him on to the interior at right guard, you know, don't expect it to look all that good as a run blocker. That's the, that's the, um, the downside to him, but he's, he's been a tremendous pass protector at guard, like a, a really, really good pass protector at guard. 
Yeah, I, I don't think he's a he's a tackle in the next level. Uh, he's just it just doesn't he doesn't look the part. He's, he's kind of smallish to to be a tackle at the next level. But I, I love him as a guard. I think he he yeah, could he's stick. He could stick. He could stick as a as a right guard in this league. All right. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a bit short for uh, you'd think a uh, tackle. He has yeah, the yeah. arm length for some reason. It's it's a really weird build actually. Mm. Yeah, kind of a Robert Jones look to him really. Although Robert Jones is a little bit bigger, I think Robert Jones is what six six four. Yeah, I, well, I, I think I, I think um, he's got I think he's got be- far better feet than Robert Jones. That, that's that's where he really he really interests me. When he gets into his kick slide, he it's it's pretty exclo- explosive and quick. Um, and his mirror game and the way that he reacts uh, and uses his eyes, uh, you know, with his and ties them in with his feet it, are all very compelling. It's just that. It's just that when you get down to it at the end of the day, um, he doesn't have a lot of sand for anchor uh, when when he's playing at tackle and somebody gets ahead of steam on him. Um, and then at guard, you know, he's going to be playing even bigger dudes. Uh, and it's not going to be tragic, but um, but I mean, like, it, yeah, it's, it's not it's not a whole lot of strength being shown to me. All right. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of these UDFAs. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. All right, and we're back. All right, we took Scaife, we took Horst, uh, Simon. You reported on this guy, Anthony Montavo. You talked about a little bit about him in the first half of the show. Um, you also report on Randy Charlton. Uh, talk about those two guys, Anthony Montavo of UCF, Randy Charlton of Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, Chris really talked about Montavo earlier on. I don't really have anything to add to that. I mean, uh, Charlton, they showed a significant amount of interest in Randy Charlton b- before the draft. Uh, he was one of the players. I, I, am I right in thinking he came in for a th- was he a 30 visit guy? I mean, yeah, he was, he was, yeah. he, was on, he was on that list, yeah. Um, you know, he's a kind of a, you know, he's obviously an edge Mississippi State guy. Um, I mean, he's slow as molasses. I think he ran a 5.06. Um, yep. Big. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. 5.06. Yeah. I mean, he's a big guy, though. He's kind of 6'3", he's 2.86. And you actually wonder whether or not they'll just... Uh, I was reading a piece last night with the Seahawks um, when they drafted Mike Morris, who ran exactly the same time, 5.06. And they just said to Morris, you just keep eating, buddy. We're not going to have you. We're going to have you as a big kind of you know, defensive end and, and almost you know reduced down inside to, to defensive tackle. And I suspect that's what they'll, you know, he's got the frame certainly to add some some weight, uh, already 2.86, you know, so you could, it wouldn't take much for him to get up into the into the 300 pound range, actually. Um He's had a lot of snaps as a fresh, you know, right away from, from from being a freshman. Three twenty-two in his first year, three twenty-one in his second year. Um, you know, two hundred and ten in twenty twenty, which was which was reduced obviously because of COVID. Five hundred and one snaps in twenty twenty-one, and then a fifth year guy had four hundred ninety-eight snaps last year. So this is a guy who's had an awful lot of snaps. He's a good tackler. He's got strong hands. Um, 
you know, this is the kind of the 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 sort of a guy that you could, like I said, reduce down inside uh, and make some plays on the you know on the interior of the defensive line. But he just does not have that that twitch, that burst, that speed to do anything. He's not kind of you don't really see apart from his heavy handedness and his that there are no athletic traits that stand out. He's a little bit stiff, um, and yeah, I mean. To me, it's going to be a struggle to make the roster unless, you know, the the plan is for him to add on a significant amount of weight. But you kind of feel like they, they, there must be a plan for him. You wouldn't bring him in on a 30 visit. You wouldn't get to know him the way that they do and then sign him as an undrafted free agent if they didn't have a plan. So it's clear that there's something going on that they want to, to do with him. And I suspect it would be moving him inside potentially full time and getting him to add some some timber. Chris? When um when they sign him, uh, the thing that's interesting to me is uh, you know he does look, I don't know, it, it's he was bigger, but um he uh he he did try to slim, trim down I think for his pro day to try and run fast, and it didn't work. <laughs> no. Um you know he 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 trimmed down to two sixty five at his pro day, um and still ran that five oh six. So, um you know what he's not going to be right. You know, he, he's, he's not really going to be a true edge for this defense, like, uh, you know, an Andrew Van Ginkle type of linebacker or something like that. Um, he is going to be a guy that, as you said, you know, he's going to, he's going to beef up and, uh, and try and factor into the, uh, the bigger bodies that way, you know, guys like Jalen Twyman and, um, and, and Bronson, you know, he'll factor in probably that way. Um, but you know, that said, I, I did. I was just watching a game of his earlier today. You know, against against both Georgia tackles. You know, as well as Georgia's tight end, uh, Darnell Washington. Well, two tight ends, <laughs> um, and uh, you know he's he's holding his own. I mean, he's he's a he's a strong player. Like um, so, I think it'll be interesting to see see him uh, him go in camp uh, as they probably get him to put on some more weight. Um, but it, you know, he's definitely one, I, he's, he's a player that's played at Mississippi state. I mean, that's, he's, he's played some competition, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't surprise me to see him, uh, rise up. All right. Uh, this next group, uh, David Davis from Western Kentucky, uh, Ethan Bonner, uh, cornerback from Stanford, uh, Mitchell Agood from, uh, Miami, very productive this past season. Uh, just, uh, you know, I guess he had a bad pro day and that's what put him as a UDFA. Um, Garrett Nelson, edge of Nebraska. If you want to take any of these guys, Simon. Yeah, Nelson to me is the one guy that that stands out. Actually, I, I think Nelson has a really good chance to to make the roster. Um, you know, again, obviously there are reasons why players become undrafted free agents, right? And his limitations are those kind of critical areas of speed and length for for an edge guy. You know, he's six three, he's two forty eight. He ran a four ninety one. You know, that's you know he's not explosive. One sixty six ten yard. Um, but actually what he has is just great short area quickness, fantastic football character. He's a he's a tremendous tackler. He's just a full-on 110% competitor, kind of a, I want to say headless chicken play style, but that, that doesn't do him justice at all because he's not headless <laughs> chicken. He's just tough. He's just run, he, you know, he just never stops running. Uh, a team captain, Scott Frost, said he was the, the best leader we've ever had at Nebraska. Uh, and Frost would know, obviously, having been there as a player and coach, um, absolutely stand out on punt return and punt coverage teams. Started every single game for the last three seasons, so he's available. Thirty-two straight starts. I mean, he's cut like an Adonis in terms of his in terms of his physicality. Um, but yeah, you know, look, he's an undrafted free agent for a reason because he's got short arms. He can't stack and shed necessarily at the point, but just a guy that can, you know, just make tackles and and be a nice rotational kind of uh, a nice rotational guy who actually you probably want to play on early downs rather than pass rush downs because he can tackle because he can hit he can get people to the ground um and he just maximizes everything he has with just all our effort and hustle and leadership and and those sorts of things chris yeah um so i think that i don't really i haven't really watched uh daywood davis to be honest um and ethan bonner we talked about earlier uh mitchell agood um or good agade or i don't know how you pronounce his name um he uh he is an interesting fellow to me uh because he does have a high motor he's also got a good background a good you know good story um he's you know he he's very involved with uh missions back to back to africa with his parents and um and giving and various uh uh 
charitable, I guess, uh, um, you know, deeds. And when he was nine years old, he had that story where he was uh, skating in a skate park and then he fell and, uh, and hit the back of his head and went into a coma. And, um, mm. and the, uh, you know, the doctors basically told his parents that he's going to be a vegetable. And, um, and then he woke up the next morning, you know, perfectly fine. It was, uh, it was, it was really, uh, really weird, but I watched him play and he plays with a great motor and he plays with heavy hands, which I think is, uh, is important. And so you're looking, you're looking at a guy who's going to be a real linebacker in this system, you know, six foot four inch, 242 pounds running a 475. Um, and I, I am interested in seeing, seeing how that transition goes um, because obviously he's been you know, an edge player. And, um, and I think that his duties in uh, Miami will take him uh, a little bit beyond that. Um, overall though, what I will say about the UDFAs and something to keep in mind is, uh, I did see an interesting study that I that you know kind of makes sense. Um, whereas you know that people know about like relative athletic scores and and different measures that kind of take all of your pro day and combine information and and produce a uh, an athletic score relative to your size and position and such. Um, you know, there there's definitely a good correlation between that athleticism, those measures of athleticism and your success in the NFL, you know, among drafted players, you know, and the, and that's the good athletes get drafted high. There's nothing groundbreaking here. Um, but it, it flips around to the opposite with the UDFAs, the UDFAs who make it, you know, UDFAs who make it in the NFL tend to be biased toward the uh, under athletic, I guess, guys. And it, it sort of makes sense in a way, if you're thinking about it, what you, you know, you've already, you've already siphoned off all the good athletes in the draft itself, right? Um, you've, you've taken all the good athletes, the good athletes that remain, the really good athletes that remain uh, among the UDFAs that didn't go drafted are ones with some, some sort of severe problem, you know? And, um, and, and that's, that could be because they played in the FCS and they have very, virtually no experience or maybe just some other reason. Maybe it's off field, maybe it's character, maybe it's medical, who knows. Um, but so, so your UDFA strategy, your undrafted free agent strategy should really be focusing on the guys that you just look at and it's quote unquote, just a real good football player, you know? Um, and, and not the guys you shouldn't, you shouldn't be uh, chasing the athletic scores among your undrafted free agents because that's already happened. That's already been selected out. And so I find it interesting that it, you know, you're talking about guys like Agud and, and Nelson who might be, or, or and go back to Zeke Vandenberg who might have an impact. Um, on this team because they're good football players, but they just didn't test well. And and that's why they slipped through the cracks and made it to the undrafted stage. All right. And this last group, before we get into Michael Turk a little bit, uh, Leonard Taylor, tight end of Cincinnati. I didn't, I, I didn't, I don't know who that is. He signed with Jacksonville. He did. Yeah. Okay. So he's not ours. <laughs> he's not ours. What about Alex Jensen, South Dakota? He's ours. Okay, we know anything about him because I think that's the last guy on the list. Or no, there's actually five more guys on the list. How many guys did these guys sign? Uh, yeah, thoughts I, on Alex I, Jensen, Simon. I've actually seen him play. If you don't yeah, know, you take right? him, Chris. Yeah. Um. So Alex Jensen, I did watch play in South Dakota, and he was another one that actually he was in the Hula Bowl. Uh. So I was watching that game and just watching him. You know, listen, he's. He, he looks like he fits from a mobility standpoint and you watch him play and he, he does, uh, you know, he does have that mobility um, attractive. He's kind of a taller, slimmer looking offensive tackle. Um, the problem is that in the physical strength department, based on what I have seen, like, I just, I just don't think the guy holds up. You know, I, I, I don't think he's, uh, and, and I, I mentioned that I wasn't quite happy with, uh, with, Scaife's uh, physicality or, or physical strength, um, but Alex Jensen. I mean, he's a guy. He probably runs. He might. He might have played in the two eighties or something like that, um, based on the way his body is. And he plays like that. Unfortunately, you know, you want a guy that maybe is a little bit smaller, but for some reason he plays much more brutally, like uh, like Jarrett Horst does. 
But Alex Jansen, he's 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 skinny and he plays that way, and so that's that's the concern there. All right, final group: Chris Coleman of Cal Poly. I don't know who that is. Kedron Smith. I I, I kind of know who who that is. Uh, I, I'll reserve my thoughts on him. I, I'm I don't have a, a strong enough opinion. Uh, James Tunstall of Cincinnati did not watch him play. Simon, anything on any of these three? I mean, none of them are making the team, so I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, Keaton <laughs> Smith has a, has a look, but nah, I don't I don't see it either. Uh, Chris, James Tunstall in particular. Um, when I watch him play, he's for some reason he's not a three hundred and twenty pounder like um, we were we were talking about uh, earlier. Scaife is a three hundred and twenty pounder. I think uh, doesn't play doesn't quite play like it. Um, you know, Tunstall's a guy who is only like I think three hundred and six pounds or something like that, and and he plays much heavier to me. Like he plays very heavy boned, heavy handed. Like he, he's the sort of guy he's got. He's got high hands, but he, when you when he locks onto you, it's usually over. Um, the thing that I wonder about with him, I get a sense for is uh i wonder if he's if he's always mentally focused because he's you end up seeing him in a lot of these plays like when he lets up a pressure it seems like it's because he made a technical error or a mental error like a focus error and uh and he has made a lot of those errors because i think he let up like six sacks this year and um and a bunch of other uh pressures but like from a physicality standpoint and physical ability uh, you know, it's actually there. I think, I think he's, I think he can play um, at the next level, but you know, mentally is he, is he going to get it? And, um, and that's the the big concern about him. All right. And the final guy, Michael Turk, uh, Simon, do you know when Michael Turk made his debut? Because when, when I saw that they picked him up as a UDFA, I was like, wait a minute, this guy was actually available. I thought he was like drafted or, or he was a UDFA like two years ago and busted out of the NFL. Uh, do you know when he made his debut in college? What would you mean? What year? Yes. Um, 2012. <laughs> Good guess. I don't know, Alf. 2017, six okay. years in college at nice. Lafayette. All right. That's that's like James Blackman. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Played two seasons at Arizona State afterwards. And then, of course, we know him as an Oklahoma Sooner. Uh, when I saw that they picked him up as a UDFA, I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, Michael Turk, I know him. Yeah, he, he was, you know, he was he was at Oklahoma for like four years. No, no, he wasn't. He was there the last two years. Uh, highly productive, one of the best punters in all of college football. Uh, I think he has a shot. Uh, uh, I think his his uncle was the former Dolphin. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. He is, so, yeah. what do you think, Simon? Is he's he's taking Bailey's job, isn't he? Um, I don't know actually because I like I think he's he you know do you store a punter away on the practice squad because he's got obviously field flipping uh ability in terms of his leg I mean he you know he had a punter fifty plus yards in eleven or thirteen games last season hang time is excellent but what he does what he struggles with are the two things that Bailey is really good at which is um. Uh, out kicking his coverage, which he does consistently, but also he, he's got no real ability to directionally punt. So he like touchbacks are his enemy. I mean, touchbacks are the enemy of punters anyway. But he needs to learn control in terms of just not booting the ball as far as he can. He needs to be di- much more directional. He's not a great pooch punter, um, and actually his kind of control directional control as a punter isn't amazing and those are the things that bailey actually is really good at uh and so whilst i think it's great that you know guys can like it, it's like the matt eraser ryan stonehouse debate from last year in terms of you know eraser being amazing at just you know booting the absolute hide off the ball and being able to launch 80 yard punts but stonehouse just you know not as strong a leg but directionally just absolutely outstanding um so I think that's one of the things that he will battle against because coaches, I think, whilst you know they you want the big leg, you want it to be able to flip the field. Actually, if you're going to out out kick your coverage and the guy's going to get a thirty yard return, or you're just going to boot into the end zone when you're you know you're punting from your own from the opposition forty five and it just goes into the end zone, your net gain is twenty twenty five yards, and that's not ideal. Um, and Bailey's able to do that and consistently get the ball down inside the ten, inside the five. Um, 
so I think it'll be an interesting battle. And look, Bailey was an all-pro punter. Let's not forget, you know, he was injured mm. last year, but this is a guy who was one of the be- what was the best punter in the league. Um, so you know, hopefully, if he's back to full health, which certainly looks like he is, then yeah, there's a real boon for the for the position. Um, uh, the other interesting thing, obviously, will be who will the holder be, um, because obviously, mm. you know, we've moved on from from uh, Morstead. what's his name? Yeah, exactly. Last year, um, so also getting that consistency working with Jason Sanders would be key as well. And Sanders won't want to keep rotating between the two. Um, so it'll be key to see. And I, I would imagine Bailey would have the inside track on that as well. And I don't know whether or not um, Turk was the holder at, um, was the holder in college. Um, I haven't checked that out. Yeah, I haven't checked that out either. Uh, he did turn down the Patriots, so we have that to, to be happy mm-hmm. about. Um Chris, your thoughts on Michael Turk? Uh, he takes Bailey's job, does he? You know what I think is uh, is is funny is and, and really cheap, but you know also just just kind of funny is um you know his his NFL dot com draft profile, a thing that that um, that Lance Zierlein does, and I think Chad Reuter uh, works on that as well. Like the NFL comparison line, they they just slip in there Matt Turk, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I think is a bit convenient. He was the holder. He was the holder both um, early in his career and then when he transferred to Oklahoma. But right. um, he he does have another. Uh, I mean, people forget that Matt Turk had a brother, uh, Dan Turk, who was a long snapper in the NFL. Um, so the Turks the Turks have an established history uh, in the NFL. Dan Turk. What's that? Did Dan Turk not die. I don't know if he's still alive. I know he did have cancer though. Like yeah, I know he he, he got cancelled while he was uh this show took NFL. a dark turn. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we're playing the are they still alive game. Um, uh Google, don't fail me now. Dan Turk he died, he died twenty three years ago. He died twenty three years ago. Wow. Okay, so it's so it's not too soon. Christmas Eve two thousand. Wow. Of testicular cancer. There you go. Wow. Um so Anyway, now that we've now we've been through that, um, <laughs> no, I think that it's interesting that he's there. Uh, you know, obviously people are going to compare them, uh, but you brought up you brought up another name, and you know, I, I don't want to get into the more controversial aspects of this, but uh, Matt Ariza himself mm. was just cleared by the um, the district attorney. Wow. Of uh, the charges associated with uh, an alleged uh, an alleged gang rape um, that occurred in San Diego State, uh, the district attorney said, you know, not only dropped charges and whatnot, but actually said that based on uh, information and witnesses, uh, he wasn't even he had already even left the party by the time any you know, any uh, alleged acts had occurred. So, you know, he is, he is in the clear that way. And he, I believe he's a free agent because he was drafted by the bills yeah, yeah. and then he was released the next day. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, that, that is interesting. I wonder if the NFL will kind of line up to, uh, to try and get the original punt God back into, uh, back into their camp. Yeah, uh, that's a possibility. Uh, I, I could see it. Um, good news is that it won't be the Bills. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess we're in suspended anima- animation until June 1st because uh, the Dolphins have brought in every single offensive tackle that's ever played in the sport before or who is a street-free agent or a current free agent. Uh, the list is extremely long. Like, they've touched bases with every single one of the guys. Like, if you go on the sport track list and you look at all the offensive tackles that are left in the market, I think they've only not touched base with like two or three of the guys. But Cam Fleming, George Fant, all of those guys, Taylor Lewan, they've spoken to all of them. I do expect them to sign one of them. Simon, who do you think it is? What do you think they I think, do? I, I think it'll be Fleming. Yeah, I think so too. I think it, it makes way too much sense. Yeah. And I do believe he takes over at right tackle immediately. Uh, I think he, he takes the job. Uh, I don't think he takes over immediately. I think he's probably the most likely, especially because he was coached by Butch Berry last year. But, um, but yeah, I think that uh, I think that they're going to stick with Austin Jackson at right tackle until it just until it just looks egregious. I think, Um, and at which point, yeah, I do expect Fleming to be the starter. 
Yeah, they tend to play the offensive tackles uh, except uh, Tyron Armstead. And since Tyron Armstead will not play a single down in preseason, you could expect Austin Jackson to play at least two halves. And I think they'll see enough in those two halves to be able to form an opinion. What do you think of, and on the way out here, what do you think, Simon, of of just, you know, fixing that left guard spot by doing something extremely simple, signing a guy who's been really good in this in this type of system, who's been a top-notch center for many years, and Ben Jones, who's out there, then just moving Connor Williams over a left guard. I always thought that, you know, while we're looking at Austin Jackson, I think there's an issue at left guard that we're kind of ignoring just because he had a couple of nice games and he had a, a, a good half in Detroit. Uh, what are your thoughts of doing something like that, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good idea, but I don't think it'll happen because I, I, I as we talked about on OnlyFans, I think they're just guaranteed that they want to give Eichenberg and Jackson the op- as much opportunities as humanly possible. And, I, you know, Dan Feeney as well, um, you know, in that mix, uh, I just don't see them doing it. I don't see them bringing in Ben Jones, who, you know, I, I think there's a reason he was released by Tennessee, having been one of the top centers in the NFL for the last few years. And that's because, unfortunately, you know, the body breaks down and, um, you know, it would be great if he came in and Connor moves inside to guard, but I just can't see that happening. I, I think they're set at center. Otherwise, I think they've done something in the offseason. And I think they want Ike and Jackson to, to do as as well as as humanly possible because, look, both of them, if they both tank out, it both reflects extremely badly on the front office. That's a, that's a 19th overall pick and a guy they traded up for in the second round. You mm-hmm. know, huge capital that they invested in two guys who would look like they're on the way, on the verge of busting. So I think they're going to give them every opportunity to succeed, come what may. Chris? Yeah, I, I, don't, think, um, I don't think they're going to do it. Uh, I think that anything that we've kind of speculated would make sense that they do on the offensive line has not happened, um, you know, over and over and over again. And so at this point, it's it's I'm in the mode of like, why don't you guys show me what you intend to do? <laughs> um, because because I'm tired of speculating it. And, and then, you know, then they don't do anything. So um, I think that we'll see. We mentioned Cam Fleming. I don't think the Ben Jones things Jones thing is happening, um, and you know I don't know if it's so much the ego with respect to Chris Greer and and you know not wanting to admit that that certain draft picks are busting um, as it is. I think I think they consider it really critical that we are able to get away with certain positions without paying for it. Um, uh, from a salary cap standpoint, from a from a, a payroll standpoint, I should say, um, because at the end of the day, within one or two years, they do have something like 150 to 200 million dollars uh, worth of contracts that they need to give out to a bunch of players um, that have a lot that have shown a lot of promise and that are due extensions within one to two years. So um, so I think that they just think it's that critical. Or that's, this is the only thing I can think of is that they must think it's that critical that they get right tackle and left guard thousand snap play uh, without paying for it. And and I think that because they need to reserve that money. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And on the last front, uh, Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, we're still in the same spot that we were a week ago, no matter who they drafted. Um they're still operating, meaning the, the Cook camp, operating on, on the assumption that it'll eventually happen. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Miami is trying to get away with not paying any draft capital next year. And I, I have said this before. I think uh, any new money is probably a deal killer. So it will be a rental, and you don't pay too much for rentals. And hopefully they, you know, you, I'm thinking that they're probably thinking, you know, if they cut them, that's probably where we want to go with this and try to do something very simple and very short. But that contract is onerous going forward, and I don't think that that's something that you want to operate under. Uh, on the way out, Simon, your thoughts on the Dalvin Cook thing? Um, it's still there. Yeah, I mean, totally irrelevant. He's on another team, and I don't see why they draft Devon A-Chain and then bring in Dalvin Cook. Makes no sense to me, but you know, especially for the money that he wants to pay, I'd invest the money elsewhere. Yep. Chris? Yeah, I don't think... Well, I, I mean, it, it just seems like the noise is so loud, everybody's considering, but somebody brought it up. You know, the noise was pretty loud on Jordan Poyer, too. You know? And mm. 
And that 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 didn't happen. Not only did that not happen, it didn't even look like it was close to happening ultimately. Um, and so, you know, that, this could be another situation like that. Like, yes, Dalvin Cook wants to be here, but is Dalvin Cook uh, willing to sacrifice money in order to do it? And are the Minnesota Vikings willing to accept very little in the way of trade compensation in order to do it? And we don't know the answers to those questions. And that makes, you know, that makes the whole thing questionable to keep penciling in for us. So I'm just going to, especially if they're that tight on money that they need uh, Liam Eikenberg and Austin Jackson at uh, along the offensive line, then, you know, how do you justify spending another $10 million on a running back? Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure that I see it ultimately. Yeah, it's been reported everywhere that, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, it still hasn't happened. Uh, I would look for June 1st, and if nothing happens then, if he's not cut, and they're not going to take the savings, if the Vikings are not going to take the savings then, then I think he'll play in Minnesota this year because I don't think that Miami wants to start digging into the draft compensation next year, even if it's just a fifth-round pick. I don't think they want to be doing that. All right, that's it. There is no more. The next time we'll talk to you, we'll talk to you about, I don't know, maybe Panther hockey. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.